0: What is attachment and what's the difference between healthy attachment and unhealthy attachments? If you've ever found yourself getting too attached to someone or something or dealing with abandonment issues, then you've come to the right place. That's what I'm talking about this week here on Let's Talk About Mental Health, the weekly podcast that teaches you how to look after your well-being. So get comfortable and let's talk about mental health. Hello and welcome to episode 199 and thanks so much for joining me as I talk about attachment and mental health. I'm Jeremy Godwin and I share practical tips you can apply immediately based on quality research and my own experience of learning to live with anxiety and depression after a breakdown in 2011 that changed my life. Each week I look at how to improve one specific aspect of your well-being. In this episode I'll be talking about what attachment is, why managing it carefully matters, and how to manage attachment in a healthy way. So let's talk about attachment. One of my all-time top 10 favorite songs from the 80s happens to be the most over-the-top unintentional stalker anthem of all time, Sonia's You'll Never Stop Me From Loving You. Written and produced in the late 80s by Stock Aiken and Waterman, who used to put out about 3,000 songs in the space of a weekend, and most of them sounded nearly identical, this little slice of classic pop features the then 18-year-old singing such wholesome lyrics as, you'll never stop me from loving you, wherever you can go, I will follow you. And when I know that you're alone, I wander to your home and catch a glimpse or two. (laughs) It's unclear whether or not that last bit involved a set of binoculars and a telephoto lens, but you get the picture. Probably not the healthiest level of addiction. Now, aside from the fact that more than 30 years later, I'm still, A, concerned that a trio of middle-aged men made a teenage girl sing about a maximum security level of unrequited love, and B, secretly hoping someone will do a cover version where they really lean right into the crazy in the video, complete with that sort of tinkly, plinky, tiptoe music that they use in cartoons when someone's sneaking around and maybe with the singer ending up in a straitjacket at the end. (laughs) Yes, I know that stalking is no joke, but you'll never stop me from loving that song and it doesn't really matter what you put me through. (laughs) Now, this is not an episode about obsessive romance, thankfully, but I couldn't possibly start a discussion on this week's topic without quoting my favourite anthem about the kind of madness that comes when attachment goes wrong. Even though it's an extreme example to share up front, my point as we head into this topic is that healthy attachment is actually a good thing, but it's about finding that right balance and learning how to maintain a strong sense of self rather than getting lost in someone or something else. Let's kick off with some definitions and let's talk about what is attachment. And according to the Oxford Dictionary, attachment can be defined as affection, fondness, or sympathy for someone or something. In general terms, it's an emotional bond or strong affinity that you have towards a person, place, situation, or thing. Like the mild obsession I have for the Spice Girls, which is still going strong more than 25 years after it first started. In the realm of psychology, attachment refers to the deep emotional bond we form with certain individuals, most notably during our early years. While we can have this type of emotional bond with anyone, it's commonly associated with our primary caregivers and immediate family, who we have known for most, if not all of our lives. And it's the psychological glue that shapes our relationships and dictates how we connect and interact with others throughout our lives. There's also a thing in psychology known as attachment theory, which I'll come back to in a bit. When we form bonds with other people or with things we're passionate about or focused on, it can either result in healthy attachment or unhealthy attachment. In healthy attachments, we're able to maintain our own sense of identity and independence rather than being dependent on someone or something else. In healthy relationships, we can openly express our feelings, needs and concerns without fear of rejection or ridicule. And we can be confident that we'll be heard and understood. There's a strong sense of trust and our boundaries are respected. These sorts of relationships are flexible, adaptable and balanced. One is not consumed by the other, and in the case of attachments with other people, each person is able to maintain their own individual sense of being. Unhealthy attachments, on the other hand, are often clingy in nature, or they can be the polar opposite and be excessively distant and withdrawn. Jealousy, control issues, and neediness might be common as well as a fear of abandonment or rejection. The idea of being away from the person, place or situation might be overwhelming, scary, or even completely terrifying, even if a bit of distance might be the healthiest option, especially in the case of dysfunctional relationships and situations. Conflict is often avoided, which can then lead to unresolved issues and pent up resentments that can in turn lead to heated arguments and roller coaster dynamics in the relationship or situation with intense highs and lows. There's often low trust, poor boundaries, and a lot of assumptions and miscommunication, combined with an over reliance on the person or situation for emotional validation and support, often to the point of neglecting yourself or avoiding personal responsibilities. So, in a nutshell, while healthy attachment fosters a sense of security, trust, and mutual respect, unhealthy attachment often leads to feelings of insecurity, distrust, and imbalance. Recognizing the hallmarks of each can be pivotal in steering things in a more secure and balanced direction. Now, I mentioned attachment theory earlier, and I just want to take a minute or two to explain how it can affect our relationships and the way we interact with the wider world, because this can all help you to build greater self-awareness. And that's a big part of managing attachment thoughtfully. Imagine attachment as this kind of invisible bond or connection we form with others, It's a bit like the unseen threads that tie us to the important people in our lives, shaping how we relate to other people. It starts when we're just babies, when we're dependent on our caregivers for safety and comfort. Based on how our needs are met, we develop a certain style of attachment that can influence our relationships and how we connect with people throughout our life. There are four primary attachment styles that have been identified in psychology, and they are secure attachment, which describes people who tend to have a positive view of themselves and others, and are generally comfortable with finding a healthy balance between intimacy and independence. Anxious attachment, which describes people who often worry about their relationships fearing that others might not love them back as intensely. They can be described as clingy or needy, craving closeness and being overly concerned about their relationships, and they may struggle with feelings of insecurity and require constant reassurance. Avoidant attachment, which describes those who often keep an emotional distance from others, So they value their independence and self-sufficiency above all, sometimes at the expense of close relationships, and they might find it hard to trust others, often brushing off emotions and feelings. And disorganized attachment. People with this style have a combination of anxious and avoidant tendencies in that they crave emotional closeness, but are deeply afraid of getting hurt, so they may push people away. Their relationships can be filled with ups and downs, wanting intimacy one moment and fearing it the next. Each attachment style is theorized to be the result of early interactions with caregivers, but it's essential to remember that attachment styles can evolve over time, especially with self-awareness, experiences, and sometimes therapy. Recognizing your own attachment style can be a vital step towards understanding patterns in your relationships and working towards more secure and fulfilling connections. The other thing I want to briefly mention here is the idea of abandonment issues, which is a common term you may have heard before, and it describes the fear of being abandoned by those close to you. This fear can stem from past experiences, and it can influence how you form and maintain relationships throughout your life. It might be rooted in childhood experiences like the loss of a parent, neglect, or inconsistent caregiving, or it could emerge from traumatic events in adulthood, such as the sudden end of a close relationship, betrayal, or being ghosted. It can trigger physical and emotional responses, including anxiety attacks, feelings of insecurity, or chronic sadness, as well as making it difficult to maintain healthy relationships due to fear. Which, funnily enough, leads to the next part of this topic, why managing attachment carefully matters. And it matters because unhealthy attachment, or issues with attachment in general, can lead to pain and suffering, especially if things change or when conflict arises. You know, it's all well and good to love the place you live now, but if all your neighbours move out and are replaced one by one with people who want to rock and roll all night and party every day, then you may just find yourself being driven up the wall after your 16th consecutive night with no sleep. I mean, I hope that never happens to you, but you get my point. If you then cling on to your attachment to the place you live, even though it's now somewhere that no longer supports your well-being, then you're going to run into issues as a direct result of being overly attached and unwilling to let go. Make sense? Healthy attachments are good. They ground us and at the same time, they challenge us. To do the best, to be the best, to grow, to evolve. Unhealthy attachments, on the other hand, do the exact opposite. It's the mental health equivalent of a middle aged man trying to keep the same hairdo he's had since he was 14, in that things constantly change and evolve around us, and we can either grow and adapt, or we can stay stuck in the past. A past that no longer exists, by the way. And yes, this message is for the man I saw the other day, still rocking the old Billy Ray Cyrus mullet. (laughs) As I said recently in episode 187 about evolution, personal evolution is the process through which we become better versions of ourselves, which seems like a very deep and meaningful thing for me to have said, so well done, past self. If you want to grow, you need to let go of the stuff that holds you back, and that includes unhealthy attachments. I completely understand how hard it is to let go of people, places, and situations. I still feel sad about leaving Melbourne, and that was over eight years ago now. But what's right for you is rarely ever easy, and sacrifice is often involved. So the short version of that is this. If there's some type of attachment in your life that's unhealthy, either change it or walk away from it. And if it won't change and it's a person who won't change, stop expecting miracles to happen and stop giving people who will never change another 457 opportunities to change, even though you know they'll never change rip off that damn band-aid, walk away, and get on with building a life for yourself that's full of healthy attachments, where you get to be treated with kindness and respect by others and by yourself. Okay, so with that rant over, let's take a moment to talk about attachments more broadly. A lot of the time, we tend to focus on how attached we are or are not to other people, but we can also become attached to things, places, situations, and even intangible concepts. Let me explain. Attachment to things refers to material possessions like a favorite piece of clothing or a childhood toy. The attachment often arises from the meanings or memories associated with these items. Sometimes, however, an excessive attachment to material possessions can hint at underlying issues like using these items to fill an emotional void or to boost your self-worth. Attachment to places means you might feel strongly connected to somewhere like your childhood home. A particular city you've lived in, or a regular holiday destination. Places can hold significant memories and emotions, offering a sense of identity, belonging, or security. But on the flip side, an inability to move on from certain places might stifle growth or opportunities. Attachment to situations means being strongly connected to stuff like a specific job, a certain lifestyle or even past events that you keep revisiting. While these types of attachments might provide comfort, predictability, and stability, if they become rigid, then it can prevent adaptability, leading to struggles when change inevitably occurs. So for instance, you might resist leaving a job you're attached to, even if there are clear signs that it's time to move on. Attachment to concepts or ideas describes when attachments might form around certain beliefs, ideologies, routines, or even self concepts, like always being the responsible one. These attachments can offer structure, meaning, and identity, but they can also stifle growth and limit your willingness to be open to new perspectives. For example, someone attached to a particular belief. Might find it challenging to adapt when presented with contrasting evidence. So, why am I sharing all this? Well, recognizing when these attachments serve a positive purpose versus when they become limiting or even harmful allows for better decision making, growth, and adaptability. It's about finding a balance between cherishing what we hold dear and being open to change evolution and letting go when the time is right it's a foundational piece of the puzzle when we talk about our emotional world and mental well-being and so the more you understand why you do the things you do the more you'll be able to work on finding a healthier balance in your life and improving the quality of your relationships so how do you do that Well, let's first take a quick break to hear from the brands who help me create this show each week. And welcome back. Now, let's get into the how-to part of today's episode, and let's talk about how to manage attachment in a healthy way. First, identify your own attachment style. And you can start that by simply referring to the outlines I gave earlier. You'll find them in the transcript, which is available for free at ltamh.com. And it's linked in the episode description. Or you can Google online tools to help you review your attachment style. Just make sure you find one that's from a credible source. No Facebook quizzes or Coco Pop school of DIY psychology, please. You can also reflect on past relationships of different types, both at home and at work, and think about how you typically behave in your close relationships. Do you often feel a need for reassurance? Or maybe you value your independence and feel suffocated easily. Also, consider your reactions to conflict. Do you tend to withdraw? Or do you become anxious and seek reassurance? Knowing these things about yourself can help you with my next point, which is build your self-awareness. Which involves regularly taking time to reflect on and understand your feelings, needs, and behaviors in relationships. This helps you to be more thoughtful and proactive in how you manage your behavioral tendencies, preventing those kinds of automatic and potentially unhelpful knee jerk reactions. Regular journaling or mindfulness practices can be great tools for this, as can having a feelings journal where you write down feelings when they arise in your relationships to identify patterns and trends. I have a daily reflection tool available to buy, which can help you with that. It's linked in the episode description. Okay, next, be your own support system. Because having healthy attachments to people and things starts and ends with your ability to be enough for yourself rather than relying on others for your validation. Be who and what you need. That doesn't mean that you shouldn't or can't rely on others because we need healthy relationships to thrive, but it means that you need to be able to give yourself the strength and validation you need so that it can never be taken away from you or used as a tool to manipulate you. I covered validation recently in episode 183 so that might be helpful as well as episode 166 about self-confidence and episode 190 about overcoming your inner critic. One way to support yourself is with my next tip work on your self-regulation and that means proactively developing ways to manage and regulate your emotions especially in moments of stress or anxiety to prevent reactions based on attachment fears and replace them with healthier responses. Techniques like deep breathing, grounding exercises, or even going for a quick walk can be effective. And I covered emotional regulation last week in episode 198. Plus, I also recently talked about pressure in episode 196. So both of those will be helpful. Okay, next, focus on healthy relationships. And by that, I mean to really proactively look to build and maintain healthy relationships in all areas of your life with family, friends, romantic partners, work colleagues, etc. The people who you spend your time with have a direct influence on how you feel and what you choose to do and say. And so the more positive and supportive the people around you are, the more positive you're going to feel about life. Something I discussed in episode 193 about better relationships. If this is something you have trouble with, then focus on my next point, which is work on improving unhealthy relationships and situations. Deal with issues head on in a kind yet assertive way and make sure that you set and maintain clear boundaries and that you communicate them clearly as well. Other people cannot read your mind, so they don't necessarily know what you need or want, even if it should be obvious. Often, people's personal agendas and biases get in the way of them seeing what's right in front of them. So you need to spell it out to make sure that the message is received. Assertiveness is simply about stating what you need without apology and refusing to settle for less than your true worth. So, say what you need and want, and look for ways you can improve your part of the relationship or situation, while also encouraging any external parties to meet you in the middle. Some people will come around, and will be willing to talk through how to cultivate healthier attachments together. However, some people will be so happy with the chaos, shenanigans, and buffoonery that they won't want anything to change because they like the mess. So if that happens, it's time to put my next tip into action. Remove unhealthy relationships and situations from your life if they won't improve. Look, there's only so many times you can try to fit a square peg into a round hole before you finally accept the fact that it's never going to fit, well, at least not without a good deal of pain and torture. Trying to cling on to people or things that no longer serve us, or that we've outgrown, or that do harm to us, is the root of so much emotional exhaustion and suffering. I mean, there's an entire piece in Buddhism about how attachment and clinging on to things leads to dissatisfaction, suffering, and pain. So it's not just me saying this. The thing is that rigidly clutching on to someone or something that isn't good for you will do you harm. Confront and address the issues. Do what you can to fix your part in it. Try to influence the other person or people to do their part to improve things. And then if it doesn't work, or if it's just going around in circles, you need to break the cycle. And no, break the cycle doesn't mean go on holiday together or adopt a pet or stop talking about the problems and hope that somehow it will magically fix the issues. Because it won't. All that will do is delay the inevitable show yourself some respect, and walk away. You can't control others, and you certainly can't force things to improve if nothing is changing. So many of us choose to stay in unhealthy relationships or situations out of hope, out of fear, out of security, out of misguided loyalty, out of obligation, or whatever the case may be. But if you sacrifice your needs just for some familiarity, or because having to move forward on your own is too scary. All you are doing is harming yourself by choosing to make yourself miserable. Uncertainty is better than staying in unhealthy relationships or situations that just won't improve, no matter what you do. Sometimes we just have to face facts, pick up the pieces, believe in yourself, And move forward into a brand new future where you can use those pieces to build something stronger and better. And you can find tips on how to break free from unhealthy relationships in my latest video. It's out now on YouTube and Spotify, and it's linked in the episode description. Because when it comes to attachment and mental health, what it all boils down to is this managing our level of attachment is a bit like tending to a garden. If we hold on too tightly, overwatering every plant, we risk drowning their roots and stifling growth. On the other hand, neglecting them entirely leaves them parched and struggling. In the same way, overattachment or avoidance can leave us feeling insecure or isolated. By understanding and nurturing your attachments, you can cultivate relationships that are rich, fulfilling, and allow you and the people around you to flourish. Remember, it's in that sweet spot of balance that you can find your strongest sense of self. The choice is yours, as it is with all things related to your well-being. So what choice will you make today? Each week I like to finish up by sharing a quote about the week's topic, and I encourage you to take a few moments to really reflect on it and consider what it means to you. This week's quote is by an unknown author, and it is. Excessive attachment to anything in life makes you mentally enslaved. Let me repeat that. Excessive attachment to anything in life makes you mentally enslaved. Alright, that's nearly it for this week. Next week, I'll be talking about making progress. In what is going to be my 200th episode of this podcast, which also just happens to fall the same week as I celebrate my fourth anniversary of bringing you the show, I want to take a moment to really think about what progress means in the big scheme of things and just how much progress it's possible to make when you take things one day at a time. So next time I'll be talking about what making progress is and what it isn't. Why Making Progress in Life Matters, and How to Make Progress in an Effective and Sustainable Way. I hope you'll join me for that episode, which will be released on Sunday the 8th of October 2023. You'll find more mental health content on my YouTube channel and in my weekly newsletter, Thursday Thoughts, plus on my two Instagram accounts, LTA Mental Health, and it's Jeremy Godwin, where I post extra content daily. And if you'd like to support my work and get ad-free episodes and bonus content, as well as access to episodes a week before everyone else, then become a supporter on Patreon. You'll find all of those linked in the episode description and in the transcript at ltamh.com. Thank you very much for joining me today. Look after yourself and make a conscious effort to share positivity and kindness out into the world because you get back what you put out. Take care and talk to you next time. Let's Talk About Mental Health is an independent program proudly produced by Reconnaissance Media, helping you find meaning and gratitude. For more information, visit reconnaissancemedia.com.